Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode four of my podcast, I Stand Strong. Once again, coming from coming to you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Northwest. As always, I am Teddy, and uh, I, I'm here to talk to you. So today is going to be a little heavier of a topic, um, but it's one I, I kind of feel I'm, I feel it's time for me to just put it out there. I'm, you know, it, it's, it's a tough one for me to talk to, so it's going to be a talk about, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how well I do with this, but I'm going to talk to you about my history with depression and how I feel there's a lot of misconceptions around depression and many of the mental mental uh, mental illnesses out there. Um, a little background with it: I've I've had clinical depression undiagnosed for most of my life, but I've had it for as long as I can remember. I've always had issues with being down on myself and being extremely, you could say short-tempered, but it was it was more of just, I didn't know how to handle the feelings I was feeling. Um, and yeah, that, that, I mean, that was from the beginning. I never felt I was good enough. I've never felt, you know, anything like that. And that caused social anxiety. Therefore, I didn't have as many friends as I could have had. I was, I was very, you know, very shut in, you know, hence why I have a thing about movie stores. And the more I realize, you know, the more I've thought about that, the more it's kind of come to a realization that that's probably why I do miss the movie stores is that was, that was a big thing for me being, you know, socially awkward and being somebody who never felt, never really felt like I fit in. You know, I had the video stores for that, that spot um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm diagnosed now, but you know, it was, a, it was a, it was a bumpy road, you know, especially, you know, my teenage years growing up with three older sisters and my mom, my dad was in the military and, you know, I, I, I blamed him for a lot of the, the anger I had because I didn't know how to handle it. And of course, you know, I'm going through, those formative years with my dad across the country and, you know, I, I had no one to talk to about it, but you know, that's, that's minor stuff. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's stuff I've had to work through. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, so yeah, I'm clinical depression. I'm on medication. I, I have extreme social anxiety in large groups, especially when I don't know people, but when I get to know people, I open, I open up wide to the point that I put myself completely out there, which is a completely other downside to me is, you know, I put myself out there and then I let myself, you know, I kind of let people cut the branch out from underneath me, so to speak. But yeah, so I, you know, I grew up with this, not really realizing there was anything anybody else had like I, I felt alone in it and it was it was scary and it 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 messed me up to the point that you know like I, I had problems in school at times you know I was never 
I never really applied myself and you know especially when it, when it comes to high school you know I get into high school and I'm going to the same high school my sisters went to and the first day I was recognized as only being their brother because three out of you know my three older sisters all kind of had their own uh own history with uh with the school so I remember I got cornered by the the assistant principal because somehow he recognized I was I was who I was and he asked you know are you I won't, I won't get into my last name even though I'm pretty sure I've said it on here before you know he's like are you one of them and I'm like yeah yes sir and he says uh as in you know Amy Sarah and Melissa I'm like yes sir those are my three older sisters and the first thing I get from it is are you going to be a problem for me and I'm like no sir I mean like I I don't know I mean I I never gave him any problems that was a good thing I did definitely give some of that school some problems between my inability to get over my get out of my own head on things or just not liking a teacher for the way they've they treated me for some reason and you know causing me to you know so I started skipping classes I mean that's that's not on the teacher that was on me I just chose to stay away from the classes which you know I had to go to summer school for my freshman year thanks to that but um yeah I mean that was kind of a daunting thing to get you know to once again just put me in this place where I'm I'm not really seen as my seen for myself and then you know I'm, I'm just seen as the possibility of a problem because of thing you know people from my family that came before me but then you know you you get into you know I, I i guess i just feel like i wasn't given that that chance you know to be who i was and that then then translated to you know my sisters were all pretty successful in high school um they were liked except for by a couple of teachers um and they got good grades and here i am this person who's struggling to figure out what's wrong with me and try to go through the social landmine that is high school on its own it was it was a hell of a time, you know, and then I'm, I'm on top of that. I'm putting stuff on myself like, oh, okay, I'm never going to, I'm never going to add up to what Sarah and Amy specifically were because, you know, they were, they were definitely the ones that set the bar and, you know, like they were both super intelligent people and me, I'm, you know, I'm intelligent, but I don't know how to, because of my anxieties and whatnot, I don't always come out that way. You know, I'm, I'm, very hesitant to to put my hand up to answer a question if i was ever called on at any point in time to read out loud i would just stutter over it to the point that i actually had went through um like a a special a special class about reading because i think they thought i couldn't read and it wasn't that i couldn't read it was just i'd get so much so worked up in my my mind and my stomach you know of course it upset my stomach that I would stutter over a lot of words. And I mean, it even shows up here in this podcast every now and then, you know, I forget my, I forget my words or I'll, I'll just stutter over something because of the nerves of it. And I mean, this is, this, that's why I'm doing this given is to, 
to try to work through this and try to work through my my anxieties about talking to people that I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it, so that's that's kind of me growing up, you know, getting at least up through high school. Um, you know, I, I got out of high school. I had a, you know, I had a, your, your, your basic job. I was working at Target, um, pushing carts. And, and I actually loved it, even though I didn't have a full, I didn't really realize I wasn't working quote unquote full time. And I didn't really, really realize because I didn't want to shake the boat. I was comfortable. I didn't want to, you know, I was afraid to, to change. I didn't really realize what I was doing was <laughs> kind of a waste of my time. Um, but then I got, you know, I, I was, so I was, I was out of high school. I'm working at Target. I'm uh, struggling to figure out where I want to be in my my parents eventually gave me the ultimatum that, you know, I either, uh, got a better job or I go back or I go to college and, you know, they offered to pay for me to go to college. I didn't want to, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm, I, I still stand by my decision to not go to college right off the bat. I didn't know what I want to do. It would have just been a waste of money, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, working at Target, I meet, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll meet the love of my life and, you know, in my future wife now kind of future ex, but that that's another story. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I met her and she's, I think she noticed the, you know, the patterns I was going through. I'd have these extreme downs but it would come out of nowhere. I'd be fine, fine, fine. And then I'm not. And I think that that goes into a misconception is that the people think if you're depressed, you're just always sad. And it's not always true. You know, you're, you can be happy one minute and then be in the bottom of a barrel the next. I mean, it's, it's an extreme mood swing. So that, you know, that's, that's another thing that's kind of scary about it is, you know, you never know when you wake up what you're going to, which, which you you're going to be interacting with. Um, so, so yeah, so she, she started suspecting something and at first I kind of fought against it, you know, oh no, it's, it's nothing. I'm just, it's just, you know, I just have down, down moments, you know, I didn't want to believe I had. I had depression or anything that needed to be, you know, taken care of. So I was, I pushed back a little bit on it. And the further we got into our relationship and the more she kind of talked to me about it and pointed out my, my swings, the more I realized, you know, there was something, there was something probably not right. So I, I went to my mom and I remember I asked her like, Hey, you know, I know this is something that runs, you know, there's something that's usually somewhat genetically, you know, genetically there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, usually there's the family history of it. Um, and I remember I went and asked her and I'm like, hey, mom, you know, just just been noticing some patterns in my my moods. And I want to know if there's any family history of depression. And my mom looks me in the eye. And flat out tells me, no, there's no problem. I'm probably just imagining it. And 
I had a really good relationship with my mom for a long time. And so I, I believed her. And it's probably two or three years down the road. I went up to my uncle's cabin because, you know, we there's like every Memorial Day and Labor Day, they have their their get togethers up there on on the lake. And it's a beautiful place to be. So I'm up there and I'm talking to them about, you know, the, about some stuff. And they notice that I'm going through mood swings and they ask me about my my mood. And I'm like, well, you know, it, it's there, but it must not be anything because I remember, I, you know, I. I spoke to my mom at one point in time and, you know, and she told me that, you know, there's no family history so that I'm, I'm probably just imagining it. And this look came across like two of my sisters were there as well as my cousins. And all of them had this shocked look on my face or on their faces. And I remember wondering, you know, okay. I remember asking them what, what, what's, what's that about? Like, you know, I'm thinking like I have a booger hanging out of my nose or something. Cause I'm getting this disgusted look. I'm thinking maybe I farted, you know, um, but they look at me like, uh, Ted, you know, everybody in the family ha- on, on my mother's side, at least has clinical depression, you know, so your mom lied to you and that hurt hung up for a long time with me. Like, why would my mom, I just remember thinking, why would my mom lie to me on this? It's... It's nothing that she should have been ashamed of. She should have just been honest with me. But, you know, as, I, as I've gone, you know, like especially through my uh, my counseling, I've realized I don't think it was malicious what my mom do- did. Because I, I remember at one point in time, you know, really thinking about, God, if I have kids, I really hope I don't pass this on. And how how bad I'd feel if I gave this, you know, this mental illness to, you know, to a kid. You know, it's, I guess, you know, so I, so I understood to an extent why my mom told that lie to me. Because she was, she felt bad. She didn't want to believe she had given me this. But by doing so, she also left me hanging in the wind. I mean, I was... I was out there thinking it was me. So once again, I'm back to believing I'm the problem. And I won't get into all the other stuff that kind of added to added to my issues because I'm, I'm going to focus just on my depression because there's a, there's a lot of baggage that I could I could unload, but it's it's not necessary to go with this one. Um, so I remember, you know, like I said, my my cousins and my sisters told me that that was. That was the case, and almost all of them were medicated. I think it was only my oldest sister at that point in time wasn't on medication because she had found she could handle it through exercise and you know eating healthier and that kind of stuff. Um, so moving to a little bit down the road, I remember you know after that realization, uh, me and Michelle went to see my, you know, my doctor and talk to them about my, my depression. And I remember they, they did a little bit of questioning on it, but obviously they were pretty, you know, pretty accepting of the fact that, yeah, this was a thing. Um, and they got me on some medication and 
I started with only, you know, like one medication and it was, you know, it was one I had to keep in my system. So if I, if I, you know, missed out on a, uh, too many doses, it could cause severe swings. Um, and that helped a good amount. Um, but I also, you know, to, to, to go back to other things, I also wasn't really almost like, you know, at that point in time, I really wasn't the most active person. You know, I, I used to skateboard a lot. I used to ride a bike a lot. I was really wasn't doing that as much. So my, I probably wasn't as active as I could have been. And I was lazy when it came to cooking. That's something I've, I've more recently, um, patched into is cooking, you know, learning to cook some stuff, but, um, where was I? Well, so, you know, so I get on the medication. I, I think that's where I was. So I'm on the medication and it's helping, but it's not, it's not perfect. I'm still going through a lot of swings. Plus it, it had the downside of the medication would, it, it affected my, screw it, why not? It accepted my, it, it, it affected my sex drive. Um, it made it really hard to be, um, interested. And that started causing whole other problems. Um, you know, it, it, and, you know, later in, you know, in our relationship, you know, me and Michelle get married around, you know, 2005. And by then, you know, I'm, I'm already on the medication, I want to say, and it started, causing downturns in that which started having you know negative issues for for me and her in our relationship because we really wanted to have kids but it you know the the downsides you know the the lack of sex drive kind of hurt that then you get into you know like so well, you know so that that goes on and I'm, I'm noticing I'm I'm doing better but I'm still not optimal so I think it was on my, you know, couple of years down the line, I do, uh, I went in for just a yearly checkup, like a yearly physical. And I had mentioned that I felt I was still kind of, you know, still wasn't optimal, but I didn't want to be too overly medicated. Like that was my biggest fear is just being so overly medicated. I was a zombie. Um, you know, if, if you've ever seen Garden State, Zach Braff's character at the beginning of that is exactly what I didn't want to be, where I'm just kind of a zombie going through life, you know, not really ever actually feeling anything. Thank God I've never been there. But um, he did add on a second medication that was more of just a an upper than anything. It really wasn't. It, it didn't have to stay in my system. Like if I missed doses of it, it wouldn't have any side effects. But that really, that really kind of started helping with the general mood, but that added to my side effects. And, you know, I mean, on top of the side effects of like, if I don't eat properly before I take my pills, I get horrible, horrible, um, like upset stomach and it just plays havoc on me if I don't eat food with one of my medications. Um... But, you know, so we, we made, we made do for a while there and it, it wasn't horrible, but it definitely still was, 
it still was bad um, because of, you know, the side effects. And like I said, I don't want to be overly medicated. So I've never, I've never upped my dosages from where I've been. And a lot of people are shocked by that thinking I should probably do it. And maybe I should, you know, I go in once a year and talk to, talk to a doctor, do a physical. And, you know, we go over this kind of stuff just in hopes that maybe we'll figure something out. Um, but so move on to 2008. Um, I had what three, I was like maybe two years into a, a, a new job closer to home and it's about the time like you know the the economy just tanks um i go into work one morning and it's you know maybe two or three hours into the shift um i'm welding because oh that that's kind of a side story it was you know like uh eventually i got a job I, i learned to weld and i found through that i found a whole other side of myself because there's something about welding that was awesome to me. It was like, you know, it was this thing that I wish I would have found sooner. It really makes me wish there was like more metal shop programs and stuff like that around us for kids to figure that kind of stuff out. But it kind of seems like nowadays there's this whole like stigma to the, the, you know, the blue collar jobs. And I don't, I don't get that. I mean, blue collar jobs are for, there's some people that that's, that's where they thrive. And I I found that's where I thrive. But anyway, so I'm, I'm welding closer to home. I remember I'm welding something up and I flip up my hood to, you know, inspect my weld. And the, the lead of my department is standing over my shoulder and he has this look on his face and says, Hey, Ted, I need to, I need to see you in my office. And I just had a feeling. And sure enough, he pulls me in and basically tells me, you know, he's, they have to, you know, they have to let me go. There's a, you know, because of the, the crash, the housing market took a fall and we were making, uh, I worked on making, uh, like basically these molds for like cinder block machines. Well, when the downfall hit, the housing market tank, therefore nobody was building new houses, therefore nobody needed cinder blocks, therefore nobody needed machines to make cinder blocks. So I I was let go, and I remember, you know, he walked me back to my toolbox. Um, it was too big to fit in my car, so I remember I, I worked out with somebody else that that worked on my shift that if they could get my toolbox into um, into their truck and bring it to me. I, you know, I'd be really appreciative. And so I I clear out anything that they, they needed back of mine or of, of, from the toolbox that was their tools. So I gave those back. And then I remember I'm, I was keeping myself together right until I walked past this guy that I had worked with for most of the time. I was at this place and when I first started at it, I was, because of my social awkwardness, I really wasn't, I was really out of place. And this guy, like when I started having problems, he noticed and he kind of came over and he helped me find what I needed. And like, he really trained me on a lot of the, the harder stuff that I didn't know how to do. 
So like because of him, I learned to use uh, um, like a mill machine for, you know, for kind of grinding down things to specific lengths that we used for certain certain jobs. And so I got, you know, he, he helped me a lot and I'm walking by and he sees me and he has that look on his face like he knows what's going on. And he comes over and he says, you know, I'm sorry this happened. Because like he, I don't think he knew I was getting let go till I was walking by. And that's where I was really fighting my emotions the most. Because I'm like, I, I felt like, you know, well, God, they're letting me go. I must have done something wrong. To be one of them, they want to let go. So I felt like I let him down for all the, you know, all the work he put into helping me. Which is ridiculous. He was, he was really proud of where I had gone to and he was just sad to see me go because I was I was a good worker but you know I was just I was you know kind of in the line of fire I guess in that situation um so yeah I I got laid off and that that put me into a serious tailspin for a while um I remember you know I I started doing the whole unemployment thing and for the first maybe month, it was okay. I mean, it was, yeah, I, it sucked I didn't have a job, but it was kind of cool to be at home a little more. And, you know, we had our, at least our first dog, I want to say maybe even our sec, uh, our younger dog by then too. So I was home with them a little bit more. Um, But there was something, you know, it, just, it, it definitely wasn't good, but I was, I wasn't, applying myself because of my my depression I got onto myself a lot more about how well god you know I'm uh you know I'm I'm worthless I'm you know I I must be worthless because they let me go and you know the the further I went into unemployment with putting out all these applications and getting no no responses back for most of them you know it 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 seriously started adding up on me and it couldn't have been easy on Michelle. I remember making that phone call. Like I got out of, I got out of work, you know, when they laid me off, I went out to my car. I sat down in the driver's seat and I made the phone call. Cause I knew this was something I had to do like right away before I lost it. And the second she answered the phone from work, I lost it. I was bawling on the phone and I'm not afraid to admit it. It was the hardest phone call I've ever made. Just telling her I lost my job. You know, it's it's gonna be on her for a little while, but I'm you know, but and I I had no I had no hope at that point in time, but she she did what she needed to do and got me, you know, at least somewhat more settled with it. You know, she told me, you know, we're gonna work this out, we'll figure it out. And you know, she comforted me, and you know, I remember when she got home that night, I was still pretty beat up about it, but she she helped me get through that part, but it definitely couldn't have been easy on her when, you know, towards, I mean, I was unemployed for two years. Um, most of that was because of, I also went back to school eventually, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. You know, I, um... You know, like I got pretty deep into my depression because I was, you know, I was putting out these applications, but 
admittedly, I was only putting out the minimum I needed to keep my unemployment because I didn't want to burn through all my application, you know, all these jobs that are out there. So the next week I didn't have to have anything to apply for. But I put, you know, so I started getting down on myself even further. And that's when um, my wife had told me. Oh, sorry. No, first it was, um, I got a notification from, uh, from the unemployment offices of, of my city, basically saying that my, my job, my, my former employer had signed up for, I can't remember what the name of the program was, but it was basically, they would pay for me to go back to school and get retrained, um, up to a certain amount, I think it was, um, if I found something that was deemed by the unemployment offices a worthy job. Um, and so I went to that meeting. And I'm like, okay, that, that could be interesting if I can figure out what I want to do. And then that was when Michelle had told me that one of the, one of the people she worked with, her, her husband was... Uh, unemployed and he was going about to start schooling for HVAC because they had an HVAC training course. It was like a one term, you know, uh, at a community college that was basically this, you know, trained you to do an HVAC installing. I'm like, well, that could be, that could be interesting. I mean, and there's people always need heating and air conditioning. So you know, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll put in for that. And, you know, they, they accepted that. So I got everything covered through that, through the, you know, through this, this act or this, this bill. Um, yeah, I started going back to school and that, that, that cheered me up a little bit because it gave me something to focus on. Um, but I was still battling, in my head with my self-worth. Um, but, you know, short, long story short on that one though, you know, I, I went to the, I did the HVAC installation course and then I decided to stay on and do a one year certificate in facility maintenance which would open up more doors because the, the, the installer course was just like, if you want to go get a job at, you know, Joe Blow, uh, Joe Black, Joe Blow Heating and Cooling, um, you could get a job as an installer, which is like kind of like the bargain basement position of, of HVAC from what I can tell. Um, where facilities maintenance focus, you have more of a focus that would put you on the level of being able to do running a boiler and whatnot for like a big like plant situation. Um, so I, I, I finished that one year and I, you know, after the, that I started once again, putting out applications and I remember I got, I got a job offer from somewhere, but I can't remember what it was, but I turned it down because I had the possibility of getting a job with like a decent HVAC company because the other one just didn't feel right. Like the other job that I got the offer for, I just remember it didn't feel right. It, you know, it just 
didn't seem like it was for me. Um, so I took the risk and that backfired horribly because I never heard anything back from that HVAC company. My guess is because it was still very much an employer's market. Therefore, you know, there was a, a glut of HVAC people out there. And here I am with a guy that, ha- a guy that has no on-the-job experience. I just have classroom experience, which gets you nowhere. Um, at least in that current market. Uh, and I got pretty far down on myself again because of that. I mean, it's like, you know, I went months putting in applications and getting nothing back or I get an interview just to get told, yeah, sorry, we want, you know, we got these people over here who have five to 10 years of experience that have been laid off. You've only got this one year certificate. We're going to go with the experience. We don't have to train them, which I understand. But at the same time, you know, telling that to, you know, but, or, or hearing that, still has an effect when you have low self-esteem going into the situation. You know, it's it your self-worth, you know, it, it's, you know, you have this irrational thought in the back of your head that, you know, it's, you're not good enough. You didn't deserve that job anyways. And that leads, led me down that whole road all over again. Um, thank God, since I found the job, that uh, I, I found a job not too long after that, working, you know, working like a 40 minute drive away, which was okay. Um, and fortunately I've been employed straight since then. Um, I have moved past that other job. Thank God I'm back to working pretty close to myself, uh, close to where I live. I mean, um, so that's, you know, the, the gas isn't as, as bad on me anymore. Um, yeah, then you add into that. I, I I had my car break down in the middle of my unemployment, which that scared the heck out of me. You know, I was suddenly without a car and without a job. I mean, that did a number on me for a while. Um, but I, I guess that kind of gets us to to where I am. You know, I mean, well, that gets me to the last, like up until like pretty much the last major event for my depression, which would be the mental breakdowns I started having, um, about the time my father-in-law moved in. Um, me and, me and Michelle were already having our issues. And then her father-in-law was losing his place. So, you know, I agreed that, you know, yeah, he should come stay with us. I, I didn't know how it would affect me. Um, but, you know, he, he moved in with us. We gave him the upstairs of our place, which was originally like my, my own area. You know, I had all my, my comics up there and my collectibles up there and we boxed all that kind of stuff up and gave him the upstairs. And then it just started adding up that there was just something not right. And it was driving me. It was driving me bonkers. I started, you know, I'd have these horrible, horrible, like essentially emotional breakdowns because it threw my, you know, I'm already off put as I'm already an an off center person as it is. 
And you add this other person into the house that brought a whole other dynamic. And it threw me even further off. But the bright side was that led me to starting to see my counselor. You know, I went and started seeing my counselor, even though I was, I had a really bad experience because I tried counseling one time through Kaiser. And all I'm going to say about that is fuck Kaiser and their, their therapy or counseling, you know, section or whatever you want to call it because department, because I had one appointment with that. I remember sitting down with the guy. He felt like very uninterested in hearing what I was saying. I really didn't feel like, you know, he, he cared. Um, and then, so I got out of the, got out of that appointment and I remember telling myself, okay, that one didn't go great, but I'll give it one more shot. But then I called to, you know, set up another appointment, never got any callbacks from it. You know, I was just kind of left out in the breeze again. So I never pursued it again for a while. But because of these these breakdowns I was suffering, I I found a place that was better. You know, I found this this place that, you know, they said they really work with you. So I'm like, you know what? I gotta try something. This isn't help you know, I'm I'm not healthy. So I made the phone call and they hooked me up with, you know, my counselor. And I remember being really, really skeptical going in on the first appointment. And I was, God, it had to have been difficult for her because I was really closed off for a while there, or at least for that first appointment. And then, you know, the set, I'm like, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to give it a second one and see how this one goes. But at least at the first one, I felt she was listening. I felt like she was legitimately hearing what I was saying or at least trying to to get me talking, get me to open up. And so I go to the second appointment, and I can't remember what it was about that second appointment, but that was what really drove home, this is what I needed. This is where I need to be. Because, you know, it was just like, you know, we were, we were doing the usual, you know, kind of, you know, like, how, you know, how has it been for the last, I think at that point in time I was doing every other week. Um... You know, so she was like, how was the, how's the last two weeks been? And I talked to her uh, on top of the fact we were also still kind of talking about, you know, my past, what got me to where I'm at. Um, but yeah, she, she just started really making me comfortable with it, really making me feel like, okay, this is going to help me. And I haven't stopped seeing her since, except for when she's had a couple little breaks where she's been on vacation or she's been on a leave of some kind where I've, you know, I've been either on my own or there was one time where I actually had a a kind of a fill-in, but it didn't feel the same with that fill-in. So she, she has really helped me find, find my way through this. Um, most of all, she's helped me help help given me the tools to to deal with where I'm at, you know, to not just like, you know, it, it, it's it's basically the fact that I bottled up so much stuff. I would I would just push it to the side because whether I realize it or not, I was doing the very ma- male mentality of, 
well, I can't show that emotion. Just so just push it down and hide it in that closet behind you. Well, the problem with that is the more you shove in there, eventually you're going to open that closet and it's all going to just tumble out on you. And so I would push it back and push it back and push it back until the point I would essentially explode. Um, so that would, and that was just not, that wasn't healthy. You know, I was, uh, yeah, I was just, I was, I was battling. Um, and then, you know, but then she started giving me the tools, like, you know, finding my happy place, which sounds really funny to say, but, you know, visualization and, you know, just like kind of, you know, you, you realize where you're at emotionally and you step back, you close your eyes and just think about that place that makes you happy. So, you know, you just go there in your mind for a few seconds and it's amazing how much that took the edge off. Still wasn't perfect because I still needed a long ways to go. And it, you know, it was one of those things. The other thing was it actually made me feel optimistic about the long journey I was on for my my counseling. You know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, I'm going to go for three day, three sessions and then everything magically is going to go away. And I think that was another big thing for me was to the realization of, OK, this is something I'm going to battle for the rest of my life. So I need these tools to at least make it easier to deal with. Um, make it so I'm not having so many of my my episodes where I, I explode or, you know, get so down on myself that it's it's almost impossible to climb back out of the hole kind of thing. Um, but there was a lot of there was a lot of work there. I mean, for a while there it was it was very much a, um, a case of, you know, she'd want me to face these these things that I hadn't really moved past from earlier in my life that I didn't even realize were still affecting me. Um, she wanted me to face those. And that became this thing of like, kind of, you know, I'd, I'd face that, but the next thing I know I'd be out in the deep end of the ocean, you know, struggling to keep my head above water. And that was, that was a struggle for a while was me being able to find that ability to, okay, look at this thing that was bothering me for so, you know, for so long I, it would be there and I'd take a look at it and like really kind of try to process it. But I'd have to learn to be like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting overboard with this. So I'm going to put this away and take, do something to take my mind off of it. Whether that was reading, whether that was my attempts at writing, which don't really ever go anywhere, but they're kind of fun still, whether that was, playing a video game, watching a movie, or my biggest one, my music, you know, listening to music has, has been a big help. You know, if I'm angry, I have some music to turn on for that. If I just want to relax, you know, I've got music for that too. Um, I even have the music that like, as I've worked through my issues and, you know, kind of found that place to forgive past hurts from my mom and dad, there's music that helps me with that because, like, you know, like if I turn on Chicago, Journey, Three Dog Night, something like that, it makes me think of the better times with my dad before he was gone in the military for, you know, before he was across the country in the military when we used to, you know, he used to live with us. I mean, he, he moved back eventually, but that was, and, you know, I, I worked with him for a while and that actually helped our relationship a lot to the point that now he's, 
he's one of the people I respect the most in life. You know, I, I, I had to face the fact that, yeah, my dad wasn't there for me, but what he was doing was the best for me in that time, you know, packing me up and moving me to Atlanta would, was not feasible with it to, you know, move halfway across the country, just me and him. Cause there'd be nobody, nobody else there, but he didn't want to, cause he didn't want to pack the whole family across the country. And I get that, but it took a while to accept that. And with my mom, you know, it's like I could turn on, you know, Oak Ridge Boys or Kenny Rogers or, you know, more of the the country side of things, which is what my mom listens to. And I could have fun with that Um, because it would make me think of, you know, like there was a time where me and my mom completely re-landscaped our our side yard at our first house in, you know, in, in, in the Northwest. And that was that was great. I mean, now I drive by that old house and it all got tore up, but whatever. I mean, we had this, we had this time together. My mom was, my mom and I were really close for a while until certain events happened and I started pulling away from it and I started resenting situations, but you know, but my, my therapy on or counseling on the whole has been this amazing journey that's led me to help like essentially help find myself find what I need. And yeah, it's, there's still the struggles. I mean, I'm going through a divorce because unfortunately the, the damages I've done through because of my depression, they couldn't, they couldn't be undone. Not while we were still married. So, you know, we, we separated and now of course we're, we're divorcing, you know, it's not official yet. And there will eventually be a, a podcast about my, my divorce and my feelings on it. Um, but you know, we, she's still my best friend at least. Um, so, you know, like I, I still use her as my sounding board for things, but yeah, I mean, my therapy's put me on the right track and I can't, I can't deny what it's helped me do. Um, even if there were times where she said things and, you know, she was fucking really blunt with me. And there were times I needed that. I needed someone to basically, you know, that, that, you know, check yourself, bro person, you know, to step back and be like, no, you're lying to yourself right now. And I can hear it in your voice. And I needed those questions. I need to be questioned on those to make me take those next steps. And yeah, I guess the, I guess the, the, the hole on my thought is like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to be, I'm going to be facing this depression the rest of my life, but she helped me find the tools to get comfortable with that and not be afraid of it anymore. Not be afraid of those moments where the depression really adds up, not, you know, not shut down when I'm really pushed on something along those lines. Um, yeah, I pretty much count talked about most of my, you know, most of my topics on this one or most of my like bullet points here, but I still feel like for some reason, I still feel like there's more, more to be said. Like, I mean, I, I got, like I said, I want to talk about misconceptions and, like off the top of my head, the biggest misconception to me is 
I believe I've already mentioned is just the fact that people think depression means, you know, you're just always, you're always sad. And that's not true. Um, true depression is so on and off that, you know, it's, you, you, you don't know which, which version of yourself you're dealing with. And I mean, like up until recently, I still have my, my situations, you know, I had a, I had an incident not even a week ago where I was so, so worked up and I couldn't figure out why that, you know, like I was at work. So I, t I stepped away and got a breather for, for a few and got my head clear and I thought I was okay. And then it just started hitting me again. And I went to talk to my boss cause he's been, you know, the, the, the boss I work with right now, he's been really, really accepting of me needing space sometimes to clear my head. And he was doing something. I remember I wanted to go get him and just bring him into the office and talk to him and see if I couldn't, you know, talk my way through it. But he's coming down the stairs from one of the upper levels and I see him. And my first instinct was I just wanted to lay into him. I just wanted to just explode and just go off on him completely irrationally. So I did what I knew I needed to do, even if it would have got, even though it could have gotten me in trouble. And that's what I just, basically I waved at him and said, bye. I went and grabbed my stuff and I got out of there before I hit that breaking point. Cause I could sense it coming. And I was so worked up, like I was shaking. I had to sit in my car for five, 10 minutes afterwards to calm myself down before I could drive home. I got home I took a shower that calmed me down a little bit. And then, you know, I use, I use cannabis as a way of, you know, settling my anxiety. So yeah, I took a couple pulls off my, uh, my vape pen and cuddled up with my dogs. And it's, you know, they're another part of my life that really helps me with this. You know, I mean, I, I cuddled up with them and it's like they knew something was wrong. So they were being extra lovey and it helped you know, just them snuggling next to me and falling asleep helped bring bring a lot of that down and helped me see that, okay, I was being irrational. And yes, I walked away from work. I walked out on work incredibly quickly, gave no one the chance to try to talk me out of it. But it was what I needed to do. I knew myself to the point that I was in a place that if I didn't, I was going to say or do something that was going to get me in trouble or make paperwork for my boss, which was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, so I, I called, you know, and I remember I called him, you know, day or so late. I called him like the next day and told him, you know, I, I felt like he deserved an explanation for why I did it. And I told him and he seemed really understand. I imagine he was upset and I don't blame him for being upset with it, but he seemed like he understood that I was at a place that wasn't healthy. And if I would have tried to stay, it would have just got worse. So he was amazingly understanding about that to me, like I said. So I, I guess I owe a big thank you to my boss. And I'll put him out there, Yaska, for, you know, for being incredibly understanding. And that also goes to a coworker I have who's who's managed to crack the the tough shell that I have. And, you know, he's, he's gotten in there and 
given me someone to talk to and he, you know, he's really respectful if I don't want to talk about something like, you know, he'll usually ask questions, but he'll tell me I don't have to answer if I'm not comfortable with it. But I'm usually pretty comfortable answering to him because there's there's just kind of a bond there that I feel that I've made. And that's a so I guess I'll say thank you to Chris as well, because um, he's he's really been there. Um, and when he sees I'm I'm off, he'll usually try to talk to me and get me, you know, get me kind of out of it. And that that helps a lot. If I if I feel like I can talk about it, I know I've got him and I've got my bossy Oscar. Um, aside from that, you know, like outside of work, I have my best friend, Tony. I have my sister, Melissa. I've got Michelle. I've talked a couple times to my dad. I'm still awkward about talking to my mom about my, my full edge. Cause I just, I feel like she blames herself for it. And I don't want her to do that. You know, it's not her fault that genetics got me. Um, the other, the other misconceptions is people like I hate there are things I hate people saying to me about depression. Probably the worst one you can say. So if you, if you're if you know somebody who has depression and you don't go through it, never tell them. The number one thing you don't tell them is I don't get why you're always so sad. Just be happy. Like we didn't already think of that. It's like, "Oh, silly me, what the fuck was I thinking? That's all I had to do was be happy." That you know, speaking from, from my point of view, at least that pisses me off more than anything. You have more apt to get me angry than make me feel better to say that or to tell someone, well, all you have to do is eat right and exercise more. Yeah, that can help, but that's not going to make depression go away. There are people who suffer, don't suffer as strong a depression. That'll help a lot. But me, you know, I did, I did go through a phase and I really need to get back to it where I was doing, a more high intensity yoga and I was eating a little better and that helped a little bit, but it did. It's not like it made it go away. It just took a little, little extra edge off it. So yeah, I do. I need to get better about doing that. Yeah. I'll admit that does help a little bit, but don't say that to someone in, uh, that has depression. Like it's, it's the cure all because it isn't, it's just one small facet that can help a little bit. To some, it might not help at all. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, by all means, I don't think I have the worst depression. I think I'm probably mid-level. Because, um, like, my my oldest sister, I'm pretty sure, is, like, pretty minor on it. If Because, yeah, she she could just turn it off, it seemed like. And I, I wish I could do that. Um, but then again, maybe she just hides it better than me. Um that is, that is a big thing with me. I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, my emotions are on my face, whether I want them to be or not. So you always know how I'm feeling from looking at me. And I get a lot of shit for that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that might be, let me look at my notes again. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's kind of, kind of enough for me to wrap up on um if i ever think of more to talk about with this depression with my depression i'll for sure do you know do another episode but you know i've got well over 50 minutes of just talking about it this time and you know i, I feel a little better talking about it but so i guess i will just say my usual thank yous which would be thank you to spider at five star tattoo 
once again for my awesome cover art and he's put some amazing tattoos on my body that have also amazingly helped me get through this it's um, it's amazing how much tattooing is a big stress reliever for me um i'm gonna thank you know i've already thanked them once but i'm gonna thank them all right here you know michelle tony chris and yaska specifically have all been really good helps with my journey you know and i'll I'll put my sister melissa and my dad in there too i mean there's been a lot of people but the they're kind of the ones that are front and center on on helping me get through this um and with that i'll just say you know if you want to write to me and tell me you know if if you're somebody who suffers from depression and you want to tell me you know tell me more about it or you you feel differently about something i've said or you know you have an idea of something you'd like to hear me talk about or you have questions for me i have an email that you can reach me at and it's standstrongcast at gmail.com um other than that i i guess i will uh i will talk to you guys later